0: Welcome to the All About Alts podcast, where we explore the world of alternative investing to help you find financial independence. Join our host, NewView Trust's president, Jason DeBono, as he covers a variety of topics with different guest speakers to discuss tax and alternative investing strategies. It is never too late to start taking control of your financial future, and we are so excited for you to be joining us for this opportunity to hear from some of the best in the business. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the All About Alts podcast. I am Jason DeBono, your host, and I'm joined by a good friend, a colleague, a mentor, and a lot more than that, Mr. Glenn Mather. Glenn, welcome. Thank you so much, Jason. Looking forward to this. So normally, you know, a lot of the times our guests are remote, but Glenn and I work in the same building. And for those that don't know, Glenn is the CEO and founder of NewView Trust Company. And I started working alongside Glenn just over 18 years ago. And it's been a fun journey. And, and you guys all know a lot about my story and how we got started and kind of what Views doing. But I wanted to take a, a step back from how do we go out and make more money and keep more money to actually the total opposite, which is how do we start giving some money away? And so today we're going to talk about the philanthropic side of business and earning money. And so I figured no better guest than Glenn, who really was a catalyst for me and help me understand the value of giving back and some of the things that we can be doing a little bit differently. So Glenn, we're going to chat a lot today about philanthropy and giving back from a business standpoint, but let me just kind of get right into it with my first question, you know, which is when you started NewView 20 years ago, what was the philanthropic thought and when did that kind of creep into your mind as the why behind giving back?
1: Well, there wasn't much of a philanthropic thought about, it was more about feeding the family at that point in time. By the way, thanks for having me on. I appreciate Surely. that. I understand these podcasts are getting very, very well listened to. So I appreciate you building up your audience and having me on now. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that's really cool. But no, I mean, at the very beginning, I was just excited about what we did at NewView, which was to help people get their retirement, have a better retirement and through choice and all of that. And I, I know you've covered that a lot in the past. So make no mistake, it wasn't all about giving money away on why we started, but I always felt like success had that as a partner is to give money away. I was taught that by my mother. My dad left when I was young. So I was raised by a single mother, three kids, and she always managed to put at least 10% aside for tithe and for offerings for the church on top of that. And she always managed, I don't know how to give any money away, but she did because we didn't have much money, but she always found the people that needed it more than herself And I think that was ingrained. So, you know, you kind of say, well, I'll start giving away money when I make more money. But the fact is, is that's something you learn when you don't have much money to give away. But when you're starting a business, it's certainly not your first thought. Let's go back and take a little stroll
0: down memory lane, because I remember a lot of this pretty vividly. And, you know, I remember maybe I'm close on timing, but it was probably two to three years after I started, which means the business would have been maybe three to five years old at that time. And I remember, Glenn, you pulled me aside and said, hey, we're starting to make money as a business, and we need to kind of figure out what we're going to support as an organization. So let's talk a little bit about that. What was that inflection point? What would, for other business owners out there, people that may be self-employed or trying to build a business, what was that catalyst to kind of start that discussion? And then, you know, let's talk a little bit about the origins of Chair the Love which is our current
1: 501c3 and, and some of the other things that we've done along the way? Sure, Jason. I mean, I think that my natural point was once I started earning a paycheck, when I started the business, we had a dream or we had a passion or mission, which was to actually get these types of IRAs out there so people could actually start making choices and, and really see their future differently. And when that started to take off, and I remember starting the company, it was the goal was to get one new client a day, one new client a day. And man, things have changed since then, it really accelerated. But through that growth, it enabled us to start taking a salary and we paid everybody else first and then myself. And then once I started taking a salary, then I said, the rest is profit from a standpoint of, that's the time to start sharing it. That's the time to start finding other places in the community that have a need because that's part of the joy of life for me. And for a lot of our employees, I know it is for you is the fact that now we can start helping other people. And that's what businesses do. I think well-run businesses do they first, they employ people, which is extremely important for the community and for the individuals. But after that, what else do you do with the money? It's not always to buy the faster car, the bigger house. It is to help other people. So going back to that discussion,
0: and I remember you kind of pulling the handful of people in the office at the time, we had a few employees at that point, and the goal was to find something to get behind, not as the only thing to get behind, but one primary thing, and over the years, certainly there's been lots of other things that have become passion projects for members of our team. But if you kind of go back, give us a little bit of background on how you kind of got into wheelchairs, and we'll talk a little bit more about Chair the Love as an organization, but what was that? Give us a little bit of background on how you ended up giving away wheelchairs or using mobility as kind of a driving force for charitable support.
1: Well, sure. And it just goes to the power of sort of experiencing something unique and I've done a lot of things. I've done walks and runs, I've written checks when people ask for it. And there's all sorts of just tremendously good things. I mean, our country, America, gives away more money per citizen than any other country in the world which says that we're, there's something about the water here in America that caused us to do that. But for me, it was an invitation that I got from a friend of mine who lived in California. I used to live out there for some time. And I, I got invited to go to a wheelchair distribution of all places, Mexico City, and a wheelchair distribution. He said, I've gotten involved and it's really been meaningful to me. And I'd like to share the experience with you. So I said, fine. I ended up flying out to California because there was a whole plane full of people that went to do this. I arrived in Mexico City and I remember dropping down. I think there's like 21 million people in the city. It's it's one of the world's largest cities. And you can tell when you're descending how poor it is because it's on a dry lake bed, which is really makes it really bad for earthquakes. When you fly over, you see that probably 80% of the houses can't even afford to be painted. So it's just brick or block, block, cinder block homes. They're block color because people don't even have enough money to put paint on them. I got out of the plane. We got in a bus and we went to the city center. And there in the city center were tables lined up. And Jason, there was this group of humanity. It's hard to describe. They were basically families, pods of three, four or five people, people being held or they're sitting on skateboards or in makeshift chairs because mobility was what they were there for that day to get the freedom of mobility. So for those that maybe aren't familiar with Share the Love or kind of,
0: you know, mobility, Share the Love and we'll, we'll kind of get into more of it. But it's really about providing wheelchairs throughout the world. And when you look back at that experience, Glenn, I remember you coming back to the office and it was almost like that light switch had gone off like, hey, this is something that not only we can support, but we should support. And, you know, I think for me at the time, it was hard for me to wrap my arms around it. It was a little bit more of a Glenn, I can see the passion in your eyes. Therefore, passion is growing in my eyes. But I never quite understood where that passion came from until I saw that need myself and really got to feel for what it means to lack mobility. And I think we're so fortunate to live in a country here where we don't see people being carried and we don't see people crawling. Yet, you know, if you get to the outskirts, of, especially a lot of these other countries, especially where they may be more impoverished, you realize that that's a need on every street corner. So let's talk a little bit about what that looks like. You know, the Wheelchair Foundation is kind of the parent organization that drives a lot of these, and that's the group that you were introduced to. So let's talk about some of the early years, right? What were the things that, as a business, I remember you saying vividly, we can't write the biggest checks ourselves, but we can influence lots of people to write checks. And so we embarked, and it was really with your vision, to try to help spawn this idea of charitable giving and all rallying around, you know, mobility and wheelchairs. I know some of these, but our listeners don't. Early on, what were some of the things that we did and and what were some of the reasons and rationale from a business leadership standpoint that you said, hey,
1: we can do this and we should do this? Well, that's a lot of questions. When I got back, I realized, you know, the first check I cut was from my own account. At that point in time, it was $150 a wheelchair. And although I've been asked since, I said, what caused you to get involved in that? Honestly, I had no one in my family that needed a wheelchair. I had never had the need for one. And, but it was so easy to see the fact that I got to bound with two feet out of my bed and, and go run off and attack the day. Other people couldn't do that. And, you know, it's all part of starting a business. And you're always like so optimistic and you're going to go drive things and do things and realize that these people don't have the ability. Number one, they're in a country. Generally, it doesn't have the opportunity in the U.S. And there are a lot of times they're looked down on a, at like a, something that happened spiritually in your family or something that went off the rails. And therefore, you don't have mobility. It was something you did. It had nothing to do with that. And it came to my conclusion this, Jason, is that you can't be upwardly mobile until you're mobile. <laughs> if okay. you're sitting in a chair, if you're laying in a bed all day, my heart went out to them. So when I got the opportunity to go to the distribution, I was on fire to come back. What I didn't realize is the difficulty it is to actually start a charity. I would say, you know, having been along the ride of
0: NewView and Share the Love since the early beginning days of both, I'd almost say the charitable side may even be harder than the business side because you're asking people to see something that they don't actually get to use. You know, whereas if you ask them to buy our product, right, or buy our service and they become a customer, at least there's something tangible Asking someone to put money into someone else's bank account to send a wheelchair to another country to a recipient they may never meet or see, that's a hard story to tell and a hard story to sell. So, how did you, as a, you know, again, from that business leader standpoint, how did you kind of navigate through that? And how did you get to a point where Chair the Love really started to emerge as its own 501c3 and was no longer a lot of small activities to raise a few wheelchairs? but actually something that raises hundreds of thousands of dollars annually and really ships thousands of
1: wheelchairs throughout the world every single year. I don't even know the inflection point and what caused it to take off. We tried walks and we tried runs. We caught what was a walk and roll, you know, with wheelchairs. We tried hero games. If you remember 9-11 and the real heroes of that were the cops and the firefighters and stuff. So we had games where they'd have contests. We do golf outings and usually at the end of them, I mean, we might raise five or $10,000 and that's very, very substantial, extremely important, but it wouldn't get bigger every year. And it was like, if we could get one container load, that's 260 chairs. That's kind of the unit that we have to buy the chairs in and deliver them. That was fantastic. So we were happy that we could just do it. And then we would kick in money personally. The company would kick in as much as they could afford to do. And I think. Jason, oh, there was a bit of this, not a bit of this, a whole lot of this, of course, you've supported me and your friends have supported it. Sometimes it's just picking me up and patting me on the head and say, <laughs> it'll be all right. you know. But the fundraising thing really started taking off, I think, when we became our own charity. I think that it wasn't because of that, but I think it was all around the same time as about four or five years ago. Well, you know, we used to do business as the Wheelchair Foundation and do it through them. And we're still very close partners with them. But what we wanted to do is to do fundraising our way and be able to move faster and be able to choose the places that these wheelchairs go. And we wanted to sort of take control of the charity. And you were the big person behind that one. And I, I'm very grateful for that. But when we started becoming our own charity, all of a sudden we got to go twice a year and three times a year. And then all of a sudden, COVID hit. You remember what happened then? Absolutely. Yeah. So a lot of these countries we used to go to would shut their doors to us one by one. But there was one country that left the door open, and that was Mexico. Because of that opening, it really allowed us to focus, even though we gave containers loads to the Bahamas, for example, but we couldn't go. But each time, God has really blessed us. So by cementing our activity in Mexico for a while, we have enabled us to go deep and to go in more states and find more distribution partners in that which made those distributions far better. And because other charities weren't on the road anymore, it allowed people to travel with us that had that heart to serve. And all of a sudden during COVID, for some reason, the fundraising took off and the distributions took off. And I can't really answer that. I wish I could write the book or write some encouragements for other charities. I can't really answer it. And when you can't answer it, it's because God did it, not us. In whether it's business
0: or charitable organizations, there is always that tipping point, right? There's something and you can't quite put your finger on it, but you just feel like it's the next level, right? And there's books written about this specifically titled Tipping Point, which is a fantastic read if you haven't read it yet. So we're talking about wheelchairs and packaging these up into big containers and having them shipped to countries all over the world. And that's something that Joe the Love has been fortunate to do in many cases, thousands of these chairs going out year after year. And certainly we've seen quite a big inflection from that kind of COVID, which seemed like disruption at first and really turned into opportunity for us. But we're going to break now. We're going to dive into the quirky questions of the day. We're going to have a little fun. We're not going to let Glenn off the Uh, hook, even though we're on the philanthropic side. So Maggie has got our questions. I'm going to go with the top envelope today. Glenn, I, I know you're an avid listener of the show, so I will spare you the- What, uh, what does
1: that say on the front of that? That's
0: our quirky, quirky questions. questions. Oh, Here we says. go. Three questions, Glenn. Number one, when making a cup of tea, do you add the tea before pouring in the water or after? Oh, always before. Okay. All right. Now you have an English background. Is that the official
1: way to do it? Or is that just how it was done and therefore that's how you do it? I'm certain that I saw my mother do it at a particular point. I've not been a a big tea drinker, to be honest. I like coffee, but every now and then you could talk me into a sleepy time tea. And yeah, I would always pour the water over the top of the bag. All right. Question number two. Is making the bed every morning necessary or unnecessary? Completely necessary. And the reason why I say that is I'm on fire with this because I never used to do it till about a year ago. I saw the video, the TED Talk from the Army General or something about the first thing you do is start the day right with the right habit. And the very first thing you do is you roll out of bed. And so I do it. And I'm almost been successful in teaching my spouse to do it too. <laughs> well, that, that's
0: another quirky question. And I don't see that one on this list. So we'll save that for another episode. Question
1: number three. Night owl or early riser? You know, when you get to be my age, it's neither. (laughs) I mean, I don't stay up late. If it's past 11, I'm feeling it. I feel because I know the morning is going to come soon. I don't have problems getting up, but I have to set the alarm. I don't wake up naturally like a lot of my friends at five and six. I think I would rather get up early. I'd rather think of myself as that because that's like success. That's like getting ready. But sometimes we overestimate probably how good we are at things. So the bed's pretty comfortable at 6.30, but I don't need to sleep past seven, certainly not on a weekday. All right. So early riser is at Uh, least the goal, but nestled somewhere (laughs) in the middle. Yeah. Thank you very much for those.
0: Well, Glenn, thank you for participating. Thank you guys for continuing to submit those. Remember, if you do have quirky questions that you want us to ask our guests, Please submit those to our show producer, Maggie with a Y at newbutrust with a U.com, and we'll get those added to the list and in the envelopes for our future guests. So let's kick things back over. We talked about kind of this idea that. Charitable giving really isn't something that we should think about, whether we should or shouldn't. We should, right? And, and as business owners, whether you're an investor and earning your own living or whether you're running a business, finding ways for your business to get involved. So we've kind of talked about how we got to, to this Share the Love concept as its own 501c3. So let's talk a little bit about Share the Love And its primary mission, Share the Love, just for everybody's benefit, since 2017 has been its own established 501c3, and it is run as a full-blown charity and and all the necessary requirements are there. What is Share the Love's mission? What's its purpose? Why does Share the Love as its own 501c3
1: exist? Wow. Well, its mission is to share the joy of God and his love with people that don't have mobility, restore their mobility restore them back to their community, fully functional in their community. If I can go back a little bit to tell you why it's so much fun for me and not fun, but so impactful to me is number one, the charity is instant. Meaning there's a moment you, before you had the chair, and then there's the moment after you have a chair and there's not many charities that have that. Charities give away a lot of things, but they're not sustainable for 10 or 15 years. So they get consumed. And with a wheelchair, obviously, it's not meant to be consumed. It will wear out, but it's going to take a long time to wear out, especially the quality of what gets delivered for $200. I like that. The second part I like is the fact that, and we haven't talked about it yet, but the fact of the distributions itself are tangible and I can see them. So whether I go or not, I can see them through your eyes if you're delivering the chairs, or I can see them through somebody else's eyes. So I know my $200 has actually been put to work and it's got a tangible result and it's not being taken away. It's not being taxed, it's not being removed. It's not gonna be ripped off by third world dictators. It's actually there. And then I guess the thing that surprised me the most is like one of the biggest blessings and like, you know, God finds blessings whenever you give, he finds blessings. It might be blessing you with more wealth, but to me, the greatest wealth has been the relationships I've gotten. The people that I get to go on the bus with and distribute, our donors are from all over the U.S. i S I'll travel with 20 people from all over the U S that don't even know me, but their hearts in the same place as mine is, is to help these people. And so we bond over the four or five days that we spend together in incredible ways. I have so many new friends and the richness has all been in the friendships that have been created as a sidebar to helping all these people. That's been remarkable. So I think it's, it's the friendships, the fact that it's hands-on, I can see it happen and it's instant. And the giving amount is $200 or more, of course, but that's pretty cool. I remember the comparing kind of,
0: if you go out to dinner a couple nights, you spend 200 bucks. If you forgo that, you give someone a wheelchair and, and what's going to last longer, right? The meal that you consume, not to suggest there's not some enjoyment in especially with the right company, but we're not talking about big dollars to have big impact. So let's talk about the charity from two sides, right? So Share the Love really has two parts to it. It has the actual wheelchair, right? And the impact that that has to the recipient, but Share the Love also has really a, a charitable tourism part of it, which is missionary level work that allows people to get a little more hands on with their donations. Are we allowed to
1: talk about the fun in this too?
0: Absolutely. There's <laughs> there's always time for fun on the show. But if we kick back and we kind of look at it and, and let's start first with that, you know, you mentioned distributions and being on a bus with people. One of the things that I think is really special about show the Love and feedback that we get is that Unlike many charities, there's really two things that Share the Love can offer you is one is the ability to understand exactly where your dollars go and what the return is, right? Um, You know that 200 bucks buys a wheelchair and someone is physically going to get sat in that seat and there's going to be caretakers that are now don't have to manage that. The other side of that is that I, as a donor, can go participate in an upcoming or scheduled wheelchair distribution. That means I can be hands on yeah. lifting someone off an ox cart or lifting someone off a skateboard or helping someone that's sitting in a, a dilapidated wheelchair or being carried by family members into a wheelchair. So give our, our listeners a little bit of understanding about that experience side of it and the why behind the experience element of Chair the Love.
1: I'll do that, but you mentioned an ox cart. So if you go to YouTube. Actually, it's probably on our website, chairthelove.org. There's actually a distribution we did where the man had no legs and he was probably about 60 years old, was delivered there on ox cart. The ox and the cart waited until he got a wheelchair. They took the wheelchair and they stuck it on top of the ox cart. He's still hanging off the edge of the hog and they took off. So that isn't, that wasn't (laughs) hyperbole, Jason, that actually happened. Now, what was the question I was going to, you were asking me? Well, let's all oh, oh, about the distribution experience. What does it mean to actually yeah.
0: get that experience? And it's not to say that you're donating for the experience, but there is a selfishness and excitement that comes with, hey, I want to see my
1: dollars that I'm giving to charity actually be used. So yeah. what's that like? Yeah. By the way, I don't care why you donate. Go ahead and donate. But in, <laughs> but in any case, I'm going to tell it through the eyes of Tim. Tim works for a local church here in Orlando. And- Tim said, can I bring my 19 year old son? And I said, sure. That's great. You know, people ask all the time about bringing families. I said, absolutely. So we did a distribution together in Mexico. Tim pulls me aside on the bus two or three days into it. He said, I haven't seen my son do this. And he said, what do you haven't seen? He said, he's serving people. He's looking wherever he can serve. And I'm watching him and I'm watching him. It's like, is that my son? He's kind of sits in a chair and he doesn't get that involved outside. And." I said, oh, that's great. And I hadn't seen Tim in a long period of time. And I had lunch with him just a few, a few weeks ago. And he said, did I tell you about my son? I said, no, what's what's he got? And he said, well, he's back in school. I said, that's fantastic because I know that he didn't seem to have a direction, didn't know where he's going. And he said, yeah, he's taking all the science classes he needs for nursing. I said, "He's what? He's He said, yeah, he wants to be a nurse and he's getting straight A's in his class. And he said, the only thing I can point this to is those five days in Mexico. It completely changed who he was. He got a sense of purpose about serving others that he never had. And the light switch went off. So is that going to happen with everyone's kid or with everybody? I think it does turn the light switch on. You're not sure what it does, but it changes you. It changes you when you hold a three-year-old and put them in their first wheelchair or a grandmother who's shaking in your arms with the joy and the tears coming down, when you're holding these people, when you're adjusting their foot, when you're learning about their stories, it's so immensely emotional. And what's really cool is you get to experience that with other people. And I think that deepens the friendship and deepens the relationships. And it's just hard to express how that is.
0: It's a moving experience having been on many of these distributions, especially a favorite of mine is to go with people that have never been yeah. and being able to see them light up. And, you know, I think what it does is it just reminds us we're so fortunate to live where we do. And assuming that you're listening here in the United States, not to say that it's better than any other country, but it certainly is better in the regard that we don't necessarily see what some of these challenges and things are out in the world. And so to be able to be on the ground in some of these countries and be able to not just see it with your own eyes, but to actually feel it by being part of that. It's it's an incredibly moving experience. Let's talk about the recipient. I know we talk about what a wheelchair is and I think all of us know what a wheelchair is. We've seen people being in a wheelchair. It's not uncommon at all. But We see that through the lens of the United States, right, where we have ADA and there's a handicapped parking spot and they've got a vehicle where they can get their wheelchair in and out of and they can park close and they can navigate through whatever store because the laws require it. What's it like, insert any country or any recipient, what are the biggest challenges they have and what does a wheelchair really mean to them beyond just the
1: ability to get from point A to point B on some wheels? I think it's just crushing on the caretaker. That's the first person who or group of people that get affected the most. What if you got to get from a bed to a bathroom or an outhouse or whatever? What if you've got to get to school or you've got to get to work or you've got, their work is not possible. So it's been said that about 10 people are blessed with every wheelchair you give away because of how it affects the family. I see that from time to time when we do these distributions, Jason, we get to go on home distributions, which is really neat. Most of them are groups. We'll do anywhere from 20 to 100 or plus chairs. But every now and then we get to go break up into smaller groups and go on bands and go into the homes. And that's the part, that's the really emotional part because the other tends to blur because you go see so many. But when you just see the one and the story of the one who 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 broke his neck trying to get go up the tree to get a mango for his family and he was in bed I walked in there and in bed and there was one 15 watt bulb because they couldn't afford the electricity anymore so real dim mud packed floor muscular guy from his upper body and you know getting translated i don't speak spanish which i'm ashamed of i should mm-hmm. speak spanish but through the interpreter learned that all he wanted to do is go to school and help pay for his parents help because parents were older and 15 minutes later, there is a, he's in his first chair. He's outside. First time he's been outside without being carried outside for about four years. And to watch the entire family take a picture with them and every little bit of freedom is just a rejoicing point for them because we don't understand it. And that chair and the fact that they can now sit at the kitchen table and eat with the family where they couldn't before, they can just sit outside and watch the world go by whenever they want. They just wheel themselves out. It's tremendous. As you know, Jason, from time to time, we have people that are in wheelchairs actually travel with us. And that's been amazing to see that happen too. We're fortunate that we don't have to see really how impactful these wheelchairs
0: are on a day-to-day basis because we don't live around it. But every single story of every single wheelchair has that origin you know, and it has impact. And I, I love what you said about the caretakers because I think they're so often forgotten. Oh, yeah, The person in the wheelchair certainly is the most impacted, but many of the family members, siblings, parents, grandparents, they're having to make complete concessions in their life to be able to assist and, and help. And so it's just absolutely incredible to see what Chair the Love has been doing and, and how they've been finding ways to solve or rid the world of that mobility crisis.
1: You had mentioned about the fun part. Let's talk a little bit about Because you know, don't forget that going to their homes and doing this stuff is great fun. But we understand we're in a different country and we need to sample what's around us, right? And so many times the distribution partners, you know, people ask, is it safe? Oh my goodness, you know, I've never felt unsafe. And I think God watches over us, but not to be assuming that we're not taking care of things because our distribution partners in country are always around us. They're on the buses with me. They're going sightseeing with us. So a normal distribution would be three hours in the morning and the rest of the day in the evening, you have to see the sights. And believe me, we see the sights and we do the crafts. And we get really, really tired for those people that aren't early birds, like you asked before. We get really tired as we get older. And then we have full days and sometimes several days. We've been to Africa, we've gone on safaris, we've hiked up volcanoes, we've even toasted marshmallows at the top of volcanoes after riding horseback up there. We've been to Machu Picchu and we've been to the Sacred Valley in Peru and just great places. So it's not just always short trips, sometimes it's longer trips. The nice thing is every trip you do, our donors are invited to go. There's nobody that can tell their fault, they're available for everybody. And we make it very affordable because the travel is not always five-star, but it's affordable and safe and it's impactful. So let's kind of wrap things up here and we can certainly
0: put some information in the show notes, but what are the different ways that people can get involved with Share the Love specifically, but I'll, I'll say this, you know, one of the things that we all have to be mindful of is that, you know, there is time, energy and money. And I think for those listening, regardless of where you are, right, if you feel like I can't be charitable because I don't have money, I just would encourage you to take a step back from that and say, well, what about time and what about energy? Because we have lots of people that here in our building, in our office that support a lot of great charitable events and a lot of great charitable activities. And they don't do it through their dollars, but they do it through their time and devotion and all those other things. So I want to just highlight that cuz I think it's critical in this process, but what are some of the things that people can do to get involved with Share the Love or or things that maybe that give them enough insight to get involved with other charitable organizations?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is the only one and certainly uh, we're on fire for this and we'd love your connection with this, but we support other charities too. Make no mistake, this isn't the only one. I think it's it's just as you get successful, make sure that you find places to go to help them be successful. And I think just find a charity near you that you can support because guess what? Every charity goes through the same problems that we had getting this started. And just you being there and helping mm-hmm. is just an amazing lift. Without that, I would have given up on this a long time ago without Jason, and a lot of other people, I would have given up on that from a chair, the love thing. What I would say that as a business owner, and I've done this as a business owner is that Set aside so much of your profits. And when you're profitable, say, if you're a roofer, every roof I put on, it's going to be a wheelchair. If you're a realtor, every deal that I do at closing, I'm going to write a check for this. Because also charities need a sustainability aspect to it. It's not a big check and they don't write it. We'd much rather have the charity run by monthly checks that are one wheelchair per month. A lot of our people actually donate all the way down to, I think it's $17 a month on their credit card gives them a wheelchair every year. Mm -hmm. So they're part of it. Just like the person, the business owner who actually donates, we've had many business owners donate an entire container load and that's up to $56,000 for a 260 times. I think the math is close to being right. $200. There's a few other fees on top of that. Yeah. So any one of those things be involved in your charity it's not to take away that your charity ideas aren't better than this. They could be, and they could be more meaningful to you. But I'll tell you, our tribe is a lot of fun to be around, Jason. It sure is. Well, Glenn, we're not gonna let you off the seat
0: yet. We're gonna get your Learn Before You Burn advice here before we wrap up. But I wanna thank you for being on the show and, and thank you for you know really being a nudge for, for not just me and what I do, but I think your desire to give back, your desire to be philanthropic It stemmed from the very beginning and it's continued to grow, but it's been infectious. And so I appreciate that. I know all the people here in our building that have been infected by that same philanthropic bug. Are appreciative, and hopefully, we've infected a few more people on uh, today's call just to find ways to give back. It's critical, and you will get more than you ever give. I promise. I never quite understood that until I started giving more and realized that it's never enough. And it always feels like I get more. But as we wrap up, you know, one of the things that we always close out every show with, Glenn, is our Learn Before You Burn segment, right? This is where we want to help our listeners understand what are experiences and lessons that you've learned in your life, some of them probably the hard way. Where we can help people get the lesson without actually having to go through the experience side of that, so I always equate this to you know how do you help someone not touch the hot stove and, and learn it's hot so we'll put you on the hot seat before we let you completely off the hook here, uh, and we'll ask you what's your learn before you burn guidance for everybody listening today
1: If I go back to starting this business, I think it is spending the time to understand what your mission is and why you're doing it and fall in love with spreadsheets, do the work, and then you'll be surprised who's gonna go along with you on that trip because not many people have a deep vision and a focus and know where they're going. Most people are wandering around. And let me tell you, until you find that, it's really, there's a tangible loss associated with it. The very first person that joined me on this vision of NewView was someone I couldn't even afford to pay but he saw the vision and where it was going. He said, I'll work until you can pay me. And I think that that concept, whether you're hiring or whatever you're doing by yourself, or you're you're encouraging or working with a spouse, or you're bringing interns into your business, whatever it is, I think it's spend the time on the mission and the vision, and the people will follow you. It's not because you're charismatic, but it's your mission is charismatic. Very good advice. I don't think
0: we've had anything close to that. So very good advice from one of the best visionaries I've had the pleasure of not just getting to know, but work alongside. So Glenn, thank you so much for being here. For those that are out there, remember to hit the like, share and subscribe button. Also, if you haven't given us a five-star review yet, please do. Our goal is to continue to drive education for people and help them continue to build wealth by creative investment strategies and also keeping more of what they earn by good, efficient tax strategies. So thank you everybody for joining us and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening. We hope the information within this podcast has given you the tools that you need to find your way to financial independence. We would love to partner with you on this journey. Text ALTS, that's A-L-T-S, to 407-708-1853 to learn more about how to get started today. Don't forget to follow us to make sure you don't miss a second of content and we'll see you next week.